Okay, we're live here on the John Riley Project. Hey, thanks for joining us on a Tuesday night. Well, we got a lot in store for you there here this evening. A lot going on. This is a live stream. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. We're going to cover a number of topics tonight. Uh, some further comments, new discoveries as we get ready for the election season here in the Poway Rancho Bernardo area. We've got elections for mayor, for city council, for school board. I've been doing some digging, getting some updates. The race is starting to take shape. I'm going to share some of my thoughts and comments there. Um, also want to take a moment, talk a little bit about the Matt Ariza story. Um, that's obviously quite the buzz in town. I've got some thoughts and comments there. And then finally, I really want to break down, um, you know, some of the details, some of the notes about this air conditioning crisis that's going on at Rancho Bernardo High School, Rancho Bernardo Middle School. What is PUSD doing? Um, Why are the kids not in class? How is the school district responding? We're going to kind of break all that down. I've got comments. I've got thoughts. I welcome your thoughts and opinions here. Here on the podcast, you can participate in the live stream. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube, you can just type in comments. I'll see them here on my my screen. We'll engage. I'll show your comment up up on the screen for everyone to see, and uh, we'll have a little bit of a dialogue. So that's what's going on now. <laughs> before we get going, I was supposed to start at seven o'clock. You know, I've switched my podcast. I used to do them Wednesdays at at two o'clock. Uh, but just, you know, my schedule has just been blowing up. I mean, I'm now co-hosting a podcast with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, you know, the franchise from uh, the mighty 690, the mighty 1090. We've been talking sports. So I've been kind of going a little bit crazy here. This is, I think, my fifth podcast in the last eight days. So, uh, you know, we had our John Riley Project podcast last Tuesday. We talked a lot about the elections on Saturday. We had a great guest here. It was uh, uh, Dennis butts from the Poway uh, Postal Annex. And he talked a lot about his background uh, as a sports fan up in L.A. and a little bit about his business there at the Postal Annex next to Target. And then um, and then now here we're back at it today talking about some local news. Um, so a lot going on in my world. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening. But let's just talk briefly a little bit about the Poway election update. What's going on here? Um, you know, we, we did the preview episodes last weekend or last week. We took an early look. I kind of called it a way too early look at the Poway mayor election, the Poway city council elections. There's two of those. And then the three races for Poway Unified School District. Now, the mayor election is going to be interesting because we've got the incumbent, Steve Voss, uh, going for his third term. He's going to be a favorite, as every incumbent is. But we've got a number of challengers. We're starting to learn more about them. Um, we know quite a bit already about Yuri Bolin. He was a he was a candidate in 2018. Delta Esparza is now really starting to make some moves here. You know, I've been seeing some of her video on YouTube. She's actually got some really highly produced video. It's very nice. Um, she appears to be a very serious candidate. Uh, I think I'm looking forward to learning more about her. There's a few other candidates in the race that I don't know enough yet, but I'm really looking forward to learning more here. I think, you know, I want to see some some strong competition in these races because 
that's a healthy process, right? Especially in a community like this, we we need to have a healthy election process. So I'm looking for strong candidates. You know, often a lot of our local candidates, there's often strong candidates, but sometimes they're what they call paper candidates, candidates that are running, but aren't really all that serious. Um, in the last election cycle for mayor, we had a little bit of that with some of the candidates. Um, and let's find out what these candidates have to offer this season. So looking forward to that. Now, the District 1 election in Poway should be very interesting. This one is shaping up to really be a proxy vote for the city of Poway. You've got one candidate, Brian Pepin, who is a member of the city budget review committee is aligned with our city council. Um, and then you have the challenger, Hiram Soto, um, a reporter for the San Diego Union Tribune and a, a community activist connecting with the people who has a very different take, a different opinion on the future of Poway on development in the city. Uh, so you have really a a, a an established candidate, uh, establishment candidate, and a and a and a uh, let's just say an opposition candidate, and that's how that district one race is going to shape up. Really looking forward to that. Now, by the way, Hiram Soto is going to be joining me on the podcast on Tuesday, the 20th, and we'll be uh, starting this time promptly at seven and um, it'll be a live stream. So, uh, you know, if you've got questions and comments for Hiram, you can join us Tuesday at seven right here on the John Riley Project, where we'll be live streaming. We'll have a really nice sit down interview uh, with Hiram Soto. And by the way, um, the sit down conversation, the sit down interview is open to all candidates. If you're interested, reach out to me. You can go to my website, johnreillyproject.com, or just send me an email to john at johnreillyproject.com. If you're a candidate, let me know. We'll schedule something. Let's get you in here into the podcast studio. We'll have a sit down. We'll talk about your, your your candidacy, your platform, your background, the reasons why you're running, and we'll learn a little more about you. And I think that's good for the candidate. It's good for the potential voters. It's good for the community so we can have a sit-down, long-form conversation. That that invitation is open to all candidates, not just in the Poway Rancho Bernardo area, but you know, if you're running for if you're running for governor, if you're running for uh, uh, county supervisor, it's an open invite for all political candidates to join me. So, anyways, the District One election is shaping up to be a proxy vote for the, state, the city of Poway. This is not going to be diluted by three or four or five candidates that are going to split the vote. It's really two candidates that have very stark differences. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this one plays out. Now, District 3 is a little bit different. You've got three candidates. You've got one candidate that is, again, aligned with the city council. You have another, and that would be Peter DeHoff, a second candidate in Kevin Juza that appears to be backed by the Democratic Party. I'm making an assumption there because he was a former school district candidate that got the teachers union endorsement. So I'm going to assume that he is a, a Democratic candidate, um, but he has some serious backing and he's going to be a serious candidate. And then you've got Tony Russo in that race, the businessman, the longtime Poway resident who grew up here, went to school here, ran a, a restaurant, bar and restaurant here in Poway. A lot of people know Tony and he ran in the 2018 election. So the District 3 election is going to be kind of interesting, a three-way race. Um, and 
that one could go in a lot of different directions. Um, so I, I think that one's going to be a very entertaining race. Um, and then and then we saw the Poway Unified uh, School District, and we got three races there. And, you know, we kind of did a bit of a breakdown um, in the preview episode last week. But here in Area B, which is where I live in my my district, Frida Brunzel, the Democratic candidate, um, she is uh, very active out there campaigning um, and a, uh, a real big believer in public schools. And she is out there a very serious candidate running against the incumbent, Ginger Couvret. Ginger Couvret, of course, a extraordinarily well-connected, well-networked candidate um, here in the city of Poway, um, has done just so much volunteer work in the city and for the community um, in fundraisers and working in the sports community. She is a former teacher um, and uh, a realtor. So, you know, realtors kind of have their face all over the community. A lot of people know Ginger. Um, a lot of people really like Ginger. Um, so uh, Frida, a very serious candidate, but Ginger Couvret is going to be, you know, is a solid incumbent. So this is going to be interesting how that race plays out. Um, and then Dave Nelson, the new guy, kind of coming in on this. And I just did a brief uh, lookup of, of Dave Nelson's website, and he's he's claiming to be the voice for the parents. And he is, uh, you know, against the mandates, the mask mandates against CRT, um, you know, critical race theory. He is for in-person learning. He appears to be a candidate that maybe is aligned with um, some of the forces that we're trying to um, you know, that we're kind of in the in the school board meetings, kind of creating a bit of a ruckus, um, standing up for getting the children back into school, because um, that was an emotional topic for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, we're, we learn more about Dave. I, I don't know how if he's aligned with MAGA or not. Not sure. We're going to learn more. But uh, that you'll find that that is often a. Uh, you know, from the Republican Party, you're seeing more and more of this kind of repositioning of as the parents party. So is that what we're going to get from Dave Nelson? I, sh I should go back and mention Ginger Couvret. The other thing I did on our website, I looked her up and boy, the established, I mean, like I told you, she has huge support in Poway. And the endorsements that Ginger Couvret has is just a really long list. I mean, she's got, of course, the Republican Party uh, is backing her, all of the Poway establishment, the city mayor, Steve Voss, the, all the members of the city council. She has PTA support, um, other community organizers like Cynthia Elizondo, um, Ed Franklin, the former uh, CEO of the Poway Chamber, and who, by the way, I was a guest on his podcast a few weeks ago, Ed Franklin endorsing Ginger Couvret, as well as Sue Herndon, another educator education advocate here in Poway, and even, um, you know, radio talk show host, uh, Republican Carl DeMaio backing Ginger Couvret. So sometimes you see these school board races and you think, well, you know, it's just school board, right? This really should be kind of a local election, you know, kind of a low stress election. But, you know, make no mistake about it, even though this is a nonpartisan race, 
These candidates are partisan. These candidates often have the backing of their political party. They often are entering this race with a huge list of endorsements coming in. A lot of them have been doing fundraising before they made their announcement. So running for school board is a very serious effort. I mean, I ran for school board in 2014, and I was blown away by how well organized some of these candidates are, especially those that are playing within the the structure of their political party. Um, now, Area C is the other um, uh, race. This is the one that was formerly occupied by T.J. Zane. He's the incumbent. He's not running again, which blew me away. But I've learned a little bit more about some of these other candidates. And one of them is Patrick Batten. And I knew he was a veteran. But now really looking a little more closely at his website, it's clear that he is a Republican candidate. And you look at his list of endorsements, and it's a who's who of the Republican Party here in San Diego County. It's Daryl Issa. It's TJ Zane, um, Joel Anderson, Brian Jones, Kevin Faulkner, Chris Kate, Bill Wells. So you can see that he is aligned with the Republican Party, kind of that traditional Republican. Is that what he's going to be? You know, he's a veteran, kind of a lot of that sort of fits that profile. He appears to be a very serious candidate. You know, I didn't know anything about Patrick Batten, but wow. I mean, I told you, these people, they enter the race and they are well-organized, well-funded. And once the race starts and they file their paperwork, they flip a switch and everything goes live. Um, all the preparation they've been doing for months is ready to go. Um, all righty. On the live stream, we've got good old Ed Franklin on the live stream joining us. Hey, what's up, buddy? I I love this political stuff. I know, Ed, you love the political things. And uh, I know you tech, like to avoid it on your show. I enjoy talking about it here, but I try to keep a good spirit about it and invite your comments and and and, uh, and questions. And yeah, even here, Ed, I, I mentioned you, Ed, you're a supporter of Ginger Couvret. And there you said it right there. Ginger is a bright businesswoman. Always support her. And I know you do, Ed. I mean, Ginger is a, is a very nice person. Um, she joined me here in 20. 20- 18 when she ran. We had the sit down conversation here in the podcast studio and uh, all good. So Tony Russo, a candidate for um, uh, District 3 here in Poway City Council. Hi, Johnny. Love the insight. Um, Yeah, right on, Tony. And uh, Tony, you're going to be a factor here in District 3. It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. And Ed, yeah, no, you love it. Yes, I do. I love local politics. I was just telling a person earlier today, it's like, I love sports and I love politics. And a lot of times people are usually in one camp or the other. But to me, sports and politics are very similar. Um, You've got good guys and bad guys. You've got um, rivalries. You've got villains. You've got you know, candidates or players or teams that are on the rise or on the decline. You've got, you know, big matchups um, and it's exciting and it's a race and you know, there's a winner and there's a loser and it's a lot like sports. Um, and so to me, it's a lot of fun. You can look at politics through the lens of fun and entertainment. And I think there is a lot of that even here in our local elections. That's why I enjoy covering it. And frankly, there's not a lot of coverage of it. So it's a good thing to discuss. But anyways, back to Poway Unified School District Area C, Patrick Batten, the Republican, a veteran, got a whole laundry list endorsements of all the key Republicans in San Diego County. And then you have Heather Plotsky, 
Heather Plotsky is a Poway Unified School District volunteer and advocate, has been on a lot of the school committees, um, and she's running for the same office, but she is the Democratic candidate. She's been endorsed by the Rancho Penasquitos Democratic Club, by the Poway Democratic Club, by the Rancho Bernardo Democratic Club, and even by the San Diego County Democratic Education Alliance. So there you go. You got the Republican candidate. You got the Democratic candidate. And then there's the third guy in the race, and that's Jason Bennett. And I don't know enough about him, but the one thing I do know is that he's the owner of Flippin' Pizza. He owns four of their locations. And if you've ever been to Flippin' Pizza, it's um, right there in Carmel Mountain Ranch, kind of in the Ralph Shopping Center next to Trader Joe's. I've been there a number of times. It's a great pizza place. And uh, some of the some of the guys that worked there used to work at Coney Island Pizza when it was on Poway Road back in the day. So, um, yeah, right on. So uh, Jason Bennett is jumping in the race. I saw some a little bit on his website. He appears to be a, you know, a father and is interested in being involved in his community. So good on him. So we're going to learn more about these candidates. And, oh, yeah, there is Area D where we have the incumbent, Michelle O'Connor Radcliffe, um, who is highly aligned, greatly aligned. <laughs> um, Got to get my vocabulary right when I'm talking about education. But um, Michelle O'Connor Radcliffe is aligned with the teachers union, the education establishment. You know, her mom was a longtime teacher, I think a teacher of the year in San Diego County, if I recall. Um, and she's running for her third consecutive win here. And she's going up against a lady named Janet Bremseth. And I just, I don't really know anything about Janet. I want to learn more. Uh, but she's another candidate in that race. Michelle O'Connor Rackle is going to be the heavy favorite. Now, I did my podcast preview, you know, last week and I got reaction. You know, it's just like hacksaw reaction. So we got reaction out there and uh, it was, you know, very interesting. Now, um, first of all, uh, when I you know, when you do a, a YouTube video, uh, you, know, you, you upload the video, but you can do what's called a thumbnail. It's like that cover piece of art that you see when you're scrolling through YouTube videos. It's this it's the image like a like the cover art, like the album cover. And you can make that whatever you'd like. And I made the Poway election one. I put Steve Voss's picture on it. And for the Poway Unified, I put Michelle O'Connor Ratcliffe's picture on it. I'm figuring those are the two dominant figures in this election. Those are the two incumbents. Those are the two most popular candidates. People started asking me, do you endorse these candidates? Why are you putting their picture and not anyone else's picture? And, you know, you could just never satisfy the audience. But, you know, I do what I can. Um, some of these candidates, we didn't have pictures because they didn't have their website up. And, you know, you want to keep those thumbnails sort of clean. And so uh, but, you know, when you post a picture of a mayor with a cowboy hat, that's ge going to generate reaction. That's what I'm trying to do. Get people to engage, to click, to watch the video. Um, and then I learned a, a kind of an interesting lesson. Um, in the last week's podcast, I referred to um, Delta Esparza, who is a candidate for mayor, as a very intelligent, bright young lady. But she's not really a young lady. I mean, she's She's a, you know, a professional. She's in, I, I don't know exactly how old she is, but she's not young. She's a middle-aged, you know, uh, a middle-aged lady. And 
I was chastised for calling her a bright young lady. And the funny part of the story is, is that our good friend Pete Neal, who's in his 70s, <laughs> was the one that alerted me to Delta and had commented that she was a young lady. And when you're in your 70s, then... Most everyone, I think, is young. Uh, so, you know, forgive me for that. But it's just funny. You, you do these podcasts, you get reaction, you get response. And, you know, it, it makes it all the more interesting. Um, Ed Franklin here, a couple more comments on Michelle O'Connor Radcliffe. Michelle is another winner. Um, have met with her on topics a few years ago. She's sharp. And, yeah, you know, she is a two-time winner. And she's going for her third win. So she's going to be a difficult candidate to beat. But you know what? When you are an incumbent candidate, there's usually a lot of people that don't support you. Um, I think we know that here in our hometown of Poway with Mayor Steve Voss. Um, we also know that with pa uh, Poway Unified board member Michelle O'Connor Ratcliffe, who's frequently the president of the board. They have their supporters, but they also have their detractors. It comes with the territory in politics. Um, and there's a lot of people, Ed, that agree with you about Michelle. And there are a lot of people that disagree. Um, and I think we're going to learn more. Now, Michelle, I think, is going to have a bit of a layup in her election. She only has one opponent. It's an opponent that I, I don't know anything about. Uh, now, it may turn out that I'm wrong, and this may turn into be a really uh, you know, competitive race. We'll see. Um, but it's interesting how this is all shaken out. So, you know, we're going to get more into it. Like I said, uh, Hiram Soto will be my guest here on the John Riley Project on Tuesday, the 20th of September. We'll do the live stream at 7 o'clock. I'm trying to get into this rhythm of Tuesdays at seven, just I've been, like I told you, this is my fifth podcast episode in the last eight days. And I've been kind of running around a bit with my hair on fire. Um, but it's, uh, you know, we're going to be back in this rhythm of Tuesday nights at seven. I think it's a better time slot because we were doing Wednesdays at two. And, you know, it's during the day people are working. Now we have an opportunity to do it, you know, after dinner and, um, you know, hopefully it's going to work out for everybody. That's my plan going forward. Um, but for the next couple of weeks, hey, caveat, we're on vacation, you know, so uh, won't be doing a show for a few weeks, maybe a couple of remote broadcasts. That's possible. We'll see. OK, um, now, before we get to the Matt Ariza story, I just want to say, hey, you know, we're, we're talking about Poway elections. Um, and if you want to, you know, celebrate the city of Poway. You know, I'm, I'm a longtime resident of Poway. Maybe you are and you want to celebrate the city of Poway. Go out and go to my website. Go to PowayIsAwesome.com. PowayIsAwesome.com. And if you go to that website, hey, you can get access to a whole bunch of interesting images throughout. You know, it's great color photography of Lake Poway, of the um, old Poway um Old Poway Park, you know, with the train and the hamburger factory, all that. And then even uh, great photography of uh, of Iron Mountain. And all of these photos are sized to be background images, you know, wallpaper for your desktop, for your tablet, or even for your iPhone or Samsung Android device. So they're all perfectly sized for that. Nice Poway artwork. If you go to Poway is awesome. Dot com. You can download that Poway artwork for free and display it on your phone or on your iPad or on your computer desktop, and you can show your pride for your hometown. Okay, so 
now we're going to turn the page. And, and I, I just want to make a few comments about this matter rises situation. And, um, uh, you know, Tony Russo. Yeah. Prime time, Johnny. That's that's what I'm going for, Tony. We're trying to do this prime time hours here. Um, but anyways, I, you know. This Matt Ariza story is is just it's a difficult story. And, um, you know, just to tee it up, if you haven't heard the news, I mean, it's national story. Uh, Matt Ariza, um, the NFL punter for the Buffalo Bills, the um, uh, longtime uh, San Diego State Aztec punter um, who won the Ray Guy Award as the best collegiate punter, punter in the nation, was very famous as a college punter, um, nicknamed him Punk God. Um, and he is now under fire, um, potentially, allegedly, maybe, um, you know, involved in a criminal matter involving a rape of a 17-year-old girl. And, you know, facts are coming out on this case. And it's just, it's a difficult thing right now. There's been a lot of conversation. I mean, just as I'm traveling here in my community, talking with folks, it just seems to come up a lot, you know, because... It, it, it's it's crazy because, you know, for me, I, I've done podcast episodes celebrating Matt Ariza because he's a local kid, you know, and it's like the local kid does good because he went to RB High and was a soccer player turned into a kicker. And really, this kid worked his tail off and um, and earned his spot as the place kicker um, on the Aztecs. And after, I think, by his third year, he was doing the place kicking and the punting and the kickoffs, which is pretty rare. And, and then he was turning into punk god, and he was going to obviously be drafted in the NFL. And I was just this huge fan of him. And I think there were a lot of people in our, here in our community that really taken pride in this young man, you know, this kind of local boy does good. And all that celebration has really just turned to disappointment. Now, granted, a lot of this is being tried in the court of public opinion. And the family, the Arisa family came out with a statement and I paraphrase, essentially, they said, you know, this is wrong. What's happening? Our, our child is not getting due process. He's being essentially, um, you know, he's being called guilty by the court of public opinion. Um, and in fact, the Ariza family have been getting uh, death threats, not just to their son, Matt, but to other members of their family. And they were protesting that they felt they were being canceled in the community. And it's tough, man. You know, it now. I get it. I get the parents, you know, standing up for their kid, but um, not really a good look. I mean, it's kind of like Tatis Sr., you know, coming out and defending Tatis Jr. Um, but I understand. I get their point, And they're right in a lot of ways. This hasn't been tried in court. Now, apparently, Ariza says all these stories that are out in the media are false, that he's innocent. Of course, his defense attorney is saying that, but he can't really comment because the story's under investigation. So we're going to learn more. Um, you know, he is no longer a member of the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, in our, in our last podcast episode that I did with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, um, you could see the it, it's it's really difficult, even on the sports media here, covering this story. I mean, you could see that Hacksaw struggled, you know, really kind of covering this. Because really, sports reporters don't want to have to report on this sort of thing. You know, they want to talk about the game and, and you know, the, the highlights of the game, um, not really what happens off the field. But that's a big part of the story. Um, Hacksaw made a number of comments. He, he you know, he's has a relationship with 
the athletic director, J.D. Wicker, and the head coach, Brady Hoke, at San Diego State University. And he, Hacksaw is a big supporter of them. I mean, uh, because really for the last 10 years, when Brady Hoke took over the football program and then Rocky Long and now Brady Hoke came back, they've run a pretty clean program. I mean, there hasn't been any crazy scandals like we've seen at other universities. Um, you know, there's been some, except, you know, those occasional cases of foolish things that, you know, some kids drunk or maybe had a, a marijuana positive test, but nothing serious, nothing like this. And so now um, head coach Brady Hoke and athletic director uh, J.D. Wicker, they're really struggling through this. And it's just so disappointing. It's at a time when, you know, Snapdragon Stadium is opening. This should be a time we should be celebrating the Aztecs. But this story is looming and it's just tough. Um you know, and there's and maybe you've had conversations with other people in the community. Um, there's been a lot of talk and, uh, you know, you don't want to condemn the kid. But then again, he admitted it on the phone in a, in a conversation with the victim who was being coached by the police. But he admitted it. Um, so it just makes this really hard, really, really hard. Um, so we'll learn more. I think there's, you know, we only know the tip of the iceberg here. You know, people claim that not all the information is factual. We'll find out. But he, this is a local family. This is a local kid. This is a Rancher Bernardo kid. Um, and, you know, we, we want good things for people in our community, obviously. Um, and this is a, this is tragic. This story is 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 awful. Um, and if what we're hearing is true, um, it's criminal. Um, and this is this is this is tough. Now, you know, San Diego State and a lot of other universities are trying to get ahead of this. You know, they've had um, there's a, a young lady, I think. What was her name? Is it uh, Brenda? Can't remember her last name. Brenda Marsh, I think it was. I'm not positive. Um, she is an advocate for rape victims on college campuses. She's been there at San Diego State speaking to the athletic programs and other student organizations. That's a great thing, kind of bringing this to the forefront and educating students about how to handle themselves and not fall into these traps and certainly not to make these bad choices. Um, so difficult. It's a difficult story. Um, and we're going to learn more on this. So uh, crazy stuff there with the Matt Ariza. It's NFL season is getting started too. Um, yeah. Okay. Let, let's turn the page here. And I want to talk a little bit about the air conditioning crisis at Rancho Bernardo High School, Bernardo Heights Middle School. It's Poway Unified in the news not just locally, but nationally as they're dealing with this heat wave, right, that's that's gripping the nation right now. Before we get to that, I just want to invite you all, if you want to learn more about the John Riley Project, maybe you want to engage on social media, you've got thoughts and comments, you want to connect with me, follow me on social media, you can go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. There I've got all my podcast episodes that are posted. This is, by the way, is episode number... Yeah, 286. So we're getting close to episode 300. It's got all the episodes that are posted there. You know, this is an, a podcast. So we're on all the audio only platforms like iTunes, you know, Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, we're on every platform that does podcasts. And then we also um, have all of our content up on YouTube and on the Facebook channel. And I've got to get this up on Twitter and a few other locations. But there's a lot of places you can connect, you can engage. 
And I invite your your comments on this. You know, this is sometimes we have a guest, we have a good conversation, but sometimes it's uh, you know it's it's a conversation here in the podcast. Tony Russo has another comment. Keep up the great work, John. We will talk soon to book a date. And yeah, Tony Russo, a candidate for District Three here in the city of Poway. Tony will be a guest here, and we'll have a lot of fun. Tony, he'll he'll campaign with a smile and a laugh, and he'll have some serious conversation for sure. Uh, But he definitely does it with a smile on his face the whole way through. So that'll be really fun when we have our sit-down with Tony. So, yeah, Tony, we'll definitely schedule that. Okay, so now let's talk about the air conditioning crisis at Rancho Bernardo High School and Bernardo Heights Middle School. Um, now, the article broke, the news broke a few days ago, and I saw it in the San Diego Union-Tribune. Classes at RB High and Bernardo Heights Middle School canceled due to broken air conditioning. Yeah, we're going into this big heat wave. We're expecting 100-plus degree temperatures. We got climate change gripping the nation um, and the air conditioning breaking down at these two schools here in the Poway Unified School District. And um, it's a 32-year-old air conditioning system that powers both schools, 32 years. And um, they're, they're talking about uh, how you know, they're dealing with it. This, a few days ago, the news was out. The students were sent home. Um, and, you know, school's just getting started and already they're being sent home. This is after, you know, a year or more of going through all the COVID stuff where students were learning from home. So just chaos, a lot of disappointment, not a great way to start the school year. And a lot of really interesting comments. I mean, there was angry parents that were upset about their kids not having um, a really good learning environment. But then there is, uh, you know, school district officials that were commenting and and we're going to break some of that down. Uh, it, it's, it's remarkable. Now, a couple more comments here on the live stream. Ed Franklin um, asking the question, who's Tony running against? Okay, I've got like multiple discussions going on at once. Tony Russo is a candidate for District 3 in Poway for Poway City Council. He's running against two gentlemen. One is Peter DeHoff. Peter DeHoff um, is uh, a member of the Poway Budget Review Committee and, and, a, and a vocal advocate of Mayor Steve Voss. And um, the other candidate is Kevin Juza, um, who is the former candidate for Poway Unified School District. He ran in 2018. Um, and I believe Kevin Juza was the spokesperson for the bond measure. What was it? Measure P when they were trying to raise money, um, you know, for capital expenses for Poway Unified. And that's an interesting jumping off point because one of the comments that and it was in this article, and I just thought this was really a bad look. And this was Poway Unified School uh, Superintendent Marion Kim Phelps, excuse me, Dr. Marion Kim Phelps. And she said, we attempted, you know, because this is like a $20 million replacement cost for this air conditioning system. And she said, we attempted to raise money for this and other aging systems in Poway Unified back in 2020 with Measure P, a bond measure, but we were unsuccessful. Phelps said this issue has been a top priority. And I'm thinking, um, <laughs> did it, uh, gosh, Ed, got, well, we got all kinds of different things going on. Ed Franklin says, didn't mean to sidetrack you. I know Kevin personally. All right. All good. Um, but Marion Kim Phelps 
again, I, you, when you start kind of pointing back to the bond and sort of blaming the bond, you're sort of blaming the voters. You're blaming the parents for not funding this. But really, and this is what I want to get to, is what's going on with the money at Poway Unified? Um, $20 million sounds like a lot of money. Do they have it? Um, and here's further comments. She, uh, she wrote, in addition to the question to secure funding without a bond measure, a system replacement would also involve major construction at our school sites, which would need to occur without students or staff present. So they can't really replace the air conditioning when students are in school. So what are they going to do? Um, you know, maybe they should have done this over the summer or maybe they're going to have to do this over winter break. But this is it's hot in, the, in September and October. We know this every year. It's just really sad that they didn't prepare for it. But what's interesting is that at Rancho Bernardo High School, they spent 14 million dollars on a renovation for the outdoor area, for the landscaping and, and for a lot of other amenities outdoors. And so it looks more beautiful. There's a lot nicer areas to hang out outside. But really, isn't the air conditioning system something that should be a priority? And Marion Kim Phelps says it is a priority. But let's break this down. I mean, what's going on? Now, I did see an update that just came out on CBS uh, KFMB Channel 8. And now they're, they're, they were showing a lot of B-roll and they've got fans in the classroom. Now they're only doing half days for some of these classrooms. Um, and in some cases, they're holding class outside. Um, you know, So if it's 87 inside, it might be 85 in the shade outside because it's hot. Um, but they're trying to deal with it the best they can. Uh, apparently, some classrooms have air conditioning, others don't. The city, or excuse me, the, the school district went out and secured 177 portable air conditioning units, and they're putting those in the classroom. That costs $75,000. But think about this. How is it possible that you've got classrooms that don't have functional air conditioning? Meanwhile, at Poway Unified um, School District headquarters on Innovation Drive, you better darn believe they've got a functional air conditioning system. Of course they do. That's where the superintendent and all of the senior management and the other staff that work for the school district, they work there. They are going to have the best of the best when it comes to air conditioning, yet our students don't have it. Why? What's going on here? Um, now, they, they claim that it's $10 million that it's going to cost to replace it. But are things that they can do in the interim? Now, they're talking about putting a chiller in. Now, I'm not sure exactly what this is, but I think it's like a big system, like maybe the size of a container, you know, that normally a container that goes on a ship or on the back of a truck. It, I think I saw a photo of something like that that's almost like a giant semi-portable air conditioning system. And they think that they could use that to power both schools, but that's going to rent. The rent for that's like a hundred thousand bucks for two weeks or for two months. And parents are frustrated by all this, but now let's look at the numbers. Did you know, okay, we're talking about a $20 million replacement cost for this air conditioning system for the two schools. Now that sounds like a lot of money and it is a lot of money. And, Frankly, when government entities tend to spend money on these sorts of things, it always ends up costing more. And granted, everything now is costing more because of inflation and a lot of other things. Um, but just the nature of government projects, 
the way that they're executed, prevailing wage, a lot of other things ends up raising the price. So $20 million to replace it, supposedly. Um, what do you think the revenue is for Poway Unified School District? How much money do they get from the state of California? You know, ultimately comes from, you know, local taxes, property taxes, sales taxes, a couple of other areas. The, the, the money is raised. But then, you know, it kind of goes up to Sacramento and the funding formula is works up there and the money comes back to the school districts. And, you know, they basically figure out how much they're going to spend on a cost per student per year basis. Some districts get a little bit more per student than others. A lot of times it depends on the demographic profile of the, of the, of the schools, maybe it, you know, how many English as a second language students there are. This has been an ongoing uh, uh, complaint of a, of a lot of people within the Poway Unified School District that they are underfunded. But get this. The revenue for Poway Unified School District is $475 million a year. That's like almost a half a billion with a B. Half a billion dollars is how much revenue comes in the door. And they can't find $10 million to fund air conditioning systems that are going to create a safe learning environment at Rancho Bernardo High School and Bernardo Heights High School? Come on. Now, sure, if they had passed the bond, they could have funded it. But, I mean, they've got the money. (laughs) I mean, and if you don't believe that, last year, you can go look up the financial reports of Poway Unified School District. Last year, they had an $11 million surplus. Their revenues exceeded their expenses by $11 million. They've got the money. Um, On top of that, they have a reserve. Okay, this is sort of like the money that's, you know, in savings, sort of, you know, kind of for a rainy day. And that's important that a school district has that because, you know, the, the revenue can be volatile. And you got to be able to handle a lot of different situations based on economic downturns, and you got to be able to handle it. You need to have money, you know, set aside. There's $83 million in reserves. Now, normally you would think, well, this is a perfect example of when they should use that money that's in reserves to pay for air conditioning systems like this. I mean, what could be more important than having a safe learning environment? In classrooms for children, very few things I think you could say are more important than that. Um, And really, there might only be one or two, if that, than having a safe learning environment. They've got the money, but they won't spend it. Why? And that's the big question. Why won't they spend it? Like This is where it gets political. Because, and we saw this with Measure P that happened, was it two years ago? I think it was in 2020. The School district's objective is to have capital expenses like this funded by bonds. And they want to do that for a couple of reasons. Number one is if they if they can take a capital expense like a bond, it's sort of off budget, sort of kind of. And it is is something that can be funded separately by increased taxes on property owners here in the district. And property owners, now that doesn't mean just parents of school district children, but even non-parents of school district children, even businesses in the area, 
all the property owners would pay more in property taxes to fund the bond. But the reason they want to do that is not just to necessarily amortize that expense over a period of time, which I get from an accounting perspective. You'd like to manage your capital expenses that way. But there's something else involved here, too. And it's it's the teachers and it's the other school employees. They don't want to spend that surplus on an air conditioning system. They want to spend that surplus on raises for teachers and for school district employees. They want the operating budget to maximize how much they get paid. And you've got school district, excuse me, you've got t- school, yeah, school board members that are endorsed by the teachers union or are endorsed by the Poway School Employee Association Union, which are all the non-teachers, you know, the, the counselors, the administrators, the food service workers, the bus drivers, um, the landscaping crew, the janitorial crew, the maintenance crew. All of the non-teachers are, are part of the PSCA union. And they've got candidates that they back. They financially back them in these elections. In fact, many of these candidates that I listed that are candidates running for Poway Unified School District are have already or are very likely to secure the endorsements of either the teachers union or the Poway School Employee Association Union. With their backing, they don't want the operating budget to be used to pay for an air conditioning system. They want that money to be freed up to pay the employees and teachers more. So that's why they want to they want to create these bonds. They want to move um, routine maintenance and a lot of equipment replacement costs and a lot of things that for you and I, in, in terms of how we manage our own household budget, we have to, when we have emergencies, we have to pull money out of savings. We've got to make tough choices. Um, we need to do the right thing for our family. But like I said, you think of a school board as kind of Pollyanna, it's all for the kids. Um, and they're going to do the right thing. But it's a highly political environment. Make no mistake about it. The Republican Party, the Democratic Party, the Teachers Union, the School Employee Association, they are all heavily invested in these elections. They've got a lot of money riding on these elections. They've got a lot of money going to these candidates. Now, here in the city of Poway, there is a limit on how much school, uh, how much candidates can accept in donations. I can't remember what the amount was. It used to be a hundred bucks was the max. I think they increased it. How much is it? Two fifty, maybe five hundred. I don't know. There's there's a maximum. Um, when I ran in 2014 for school board, the the, the maximum for city council was like a hundred bucks. Um, Ed Franklin says, you need to get the superintendent on your show. I'd love to have Dr. Marion Kim Phelps here for a sit down conversation. We'd learn a lot. I would greatly enjoy that opportunity. Um, This is my podcast. I like to think of it as a community forum. Uh, So all of those types of folks are welcome. Just reach out to me. Send me an email at john at johnreillyproject.com or just go to my website, johnreillyproject.com, and you can sign up. And let me know if you want to be a guest. Um, But uh, these races are very politically charged, even school board races, because it doesn't say R or D next to their name when you go on the ballot. But it's still highly political. Um, Now, the crazy part of this is, is these candidates, these um, 
teachers, union representatives, these these superintendents, they'll tell you to your face that it's for the kids. This is for the children, the children in our community and for education. But how can it be for the kids if you won't fund an air conditioning system for these classrooms when you have the money to spend? You've got $475 million a year in revenue. You can't peel off 10 or 20 million to fund an air conditioning system. You've got $83 million in reserves. Last year, you had an $11 million surplus. What's the problem here? You don't need to go to a vote and further burden taxpayers to pay for it. Now, keep in mind, and this is the other crazy part of this, we're stealing still the billion dollar bond is still looming, people. Okay, remember that, that story. Just to tee that one up, in 2000, roughly speaking, 2010, the school district borrowed a little over $100 million. And they agreed to do it without any tax increases is how they, they bake this thing. And the, the public voted for it because the public loves, you know, they say, help the schools and people jump in and they want to help the schools. They borrowed, roughly speaking, $100 million. They're going to pay it back with roughly $1 billion, a 10 to 1 ratio. I mean, that's insane. Um, and that was passed in 2010. The reason it costs so much is they've deferred payment for like 20 years. I think if passed the election in 2010, I, I got my, my dates a little bit, you know, these are kind of rough. It passed the election in 2010. In 2012, the bond was, bond was fond, funded. And then the payments don't start for 20 years. So I think it's like 2033 is when the payments are going to start on the billion-dollar bond. Taxpayers in our district are going to spend a billion dollars and only actually a fraction of our district. It's only west of the, uh, the 15 and a little – excuse me – east of the 15, maybe a little bit west of the 15, but a lot of the 4S community, Del Sur, a lot of them have been funding their school with Melorus bonds. Um, so those that are not under the Melorus, like all of us here in Poway, are going to be spending a billion dollars from the, from the year 2033 to, if I have my math right, about the year 2052. So that school bond, which they got about 100 million bucks, you know, 10 years ago, they were unable to fund all of the things that were necessary to be funded. Now they got to come back to the well for more, and they still haven't even started making payments on the billion dollar bond. Now, granted, the people that passed the billion dollar bond, the superintendent was behind all of that. Those folks are long gone, they're out of the picture. Um, John Collins, the superintendent, was, the disgraced, was found guilty in a court of law of embezzling um, you know, money from the school district. And there's a whole soap opera related to him. Um, the school board members that passed that bond, every single one of them has um, either retired or has been unelected in, the, in subsequent elections. But as taxpayers, we're still dealing with this. In fact, we haven't even started making payments on it. And now, now that... Now they want to come back to the well for more in a bond when really they could fund this out of their their uh, their budget if they wanted to. I mean, they have the money. 
Now they're now right now they're they're you know scrambling. They're getting the chiller. They got the uh, portable air conditioning systems, and hopefully that will help. But you know the heat is going to be pretty. It's going to be really heavy. You know the next week or so. So I don't know how effective the portable classroom air conditioning units are going to be. I mean, you look at one of those things. They're they're not that big. I mean. Gosh, what was, I don't know how you describe the size of them, but they're not very large. You know, you could put them in the corner of the room and maybe it'll give a little bit of a break, but that's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Um, and then they, they're talking about getting this chiller system in and that's going to have to be installed. I mean, that, you know, if they get that thing going in a couple of weeks, if they're lucky, um, it's a sad situation. In my opinion, one man's opinion it's not very good planning. I mean, the, the school board, the the staff. I mean, if you've got a air conditioning system that is 32 years, 33 years old, A, why wasn't that fixed in the last bond? B, if you've got an $83 million in reserves and an $11 million surplus in the last year, why are you not spending that money to fix it? What could be more important than having a safe classroom for children to learn? I mean, really, what's more important? Seriously, I mean, there's really very little few things. I mean, you need to have a good teacher, but there's not a whole lot that is more important than having a safe classroom. And you've got the money, but they kind of backpedal and they were, you know, the superintendent was blaming the voters, blaming the parents. You didn't pass that school bond. We tried. Well, the voters are pissed. The voters are still angry about the billion-dollar bond. I know I am, and I know there's a lot of other people that feel the same way as me, and they don't want to be, you know, putting good money after bad funding this. And meanwhile, the school district is getting more money from the state. They got a lot of extra money from COVID. Now, I'm also hearing that there's a lot of other money that's available in grants that I don't know if they're from the federal or from the state, but there's other pockets of dollars that they could supposedly apply for to get funding for this. Well, why aren't they doing that? Why? It's a real disappointment. So now we've got this election coming up. We've got some candidates here that are running for office. I went through their names earlier in this podcast. I love to hear their opinion on this. What do they intend to do about it if they're elected? Now, I know some of them are going to want to run the bond again, especially if they have the endorsement of the teachers union. I'll bet you they're going to want to have another bond. And if they have the endorsement of the Poway School Employees Association, my guess is those candidates are going to want to do another bond. But that's mm, that's uh, that's that's tough talk when the community is still burning after the billion dollar bond. So what's going to happen? I don't know. Bunch of con- uh, comments here, and uh, <laughs> Ed Franklin says she's accessible. Doctor uh, Marion Kim Phelps. Ed Franklin says, I was a vendor of HVAC products during several of the remodels. It is a sad failure to plan. Yeah, it really is. Um, You know, this is why you need professionals there to manage your facilities. I know the school district has professionals doing it. But how do you not have the money to fund this when you're getting a half a billion dollars in revenue a year? And you tell me you can't fund an air conditioning system for a classroom? Um. Ed's further commenting, I was told recently that the amount of money they're making from um, just V-free lunches is criminal. <laughs> okay, I, I, um, from 
Excuse me, there's a correction of the typo there. Just free lunches. Again, I again, Ed, I don't know about that. Um, I know that you know there's obviously lunch programs, and I know that they get federal funding or state funding for that. Um, it's it's interesting because you really break it down. There's a lot of different channels of dollars that come into the school district. You know that 475 million dollars in revenue comes from a number of different buckets. Um, you know, roughly speaking, about 10% of their revenue comes from the federal government, from the Department of Education. Um, and then other parts of it, you know, are coming from local taxpayers in the form of property taxes. But the way California does it, they kind of have a little bit of a black box on how it's funded. Because, you know, normally you think, at least the, the way it was done a long time ago that received a lot of criticism, is that families that lived in high property value areas, wealthy areas, tended to have more tax dollars raised and therefore could fund their schools more. And then schools that were in low-income areas that had low property values struggled to fund their schools at a certain level. But California changed all that. California now has an algorithm where the, the dollars are raised locally but then that that those that money kind of goes into an algorithm and then it gets further dispersed and eat, different school districts receive different amounts on a per student per year basis. And like I said, it depends on the demographic profile of the school. How many of your students are English as a second language? How many of your students have disabilities? Um, you know, there's a lot of other criteria. And I again, I don't fully understand all of it, um, but those are some of the the variables in the equation that determine who gets what. And that's why Poway Unify will often say, the people here will say that they don't get the same funding, that they feel they're underfunded compared to other school districts. And mathematically, that's true because certain school districts get more because of the way the, the, the model works. But still, there's $475 million in revenue, an $11 million surplus, $83 million in reserves, and you can't fund an air conditioning system? Come on, man. You know, come on, man. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. So uh, what are they going to do? I mean, so I'm hoping that we can have a conversation with some of the other candidates that are running for school district. You are all welcome. Every candidate I listed, if you want to come here and, and discuss this. Let me know. Now, granted, you know, I've often said this in my podcasts when I'm doing these solo podcasts, I have strong opinions. (laughs) I like to tell you what I think. And I, you know, I've been a longtime resident here in Poway. I'm a former candidate for school board. So I know a bit, you know, maybe more than most, but certainly not as much as some. Um, So I have my thoughts and opinions and I love sharing it. But when I have a conversation here in a sit down interview, my approach is a little different. And you know who I learned this from was Jim Rome. You know who Jim Rome is, another sports radio talk show guy. He actually got his start here at the Mighty 690 in San Diego. He came up through the ranks when Hacksaw was at 690. Jim Rome, I learned from him because when he is doing his podcast or his radio program and he's on his soapbox, he's talking smack. <laughs> he's got thoughts and opinions and he engages with his audience. He calls them the clones. But when he interviews athletes, his take is a lot different. He's actually, you know, tries to be – he kind of leaves a lot of the smack talk aside and 
has a more serious conversation. This shows respect for the the guest on his show. That's what I like to do, too. So when I have a, a political candidate here on the show, I want to give them a chance to tell their story. Um, that's the whole beauty of this format, that we have a long-form podcast format where they can tell me about their background, about their uh, their campaign platform, the reasons they're running, who's supporting them, why they're running. I mean, we can hear the whole story. Um, you can't get that in a newspaper article. You can't get that at a candidate debate or a candidate forum. But we can get it here in a sit-down podcast interview. So if you're listening, if you're watching um, and you're a candidate or you know someone who is a candidate, have them contact me. My website is johnreillyproject.com. Or you can send me an email at john at johnreillyproject.com. Okay, so we are now 59 minutes and 44 seconds. We are right (laughs) – Ed, you're going to get me over um, an hour here. Um, Ed Franklin says, yeah, except for Jim Everett, you remember that debacle. (laughs) That was the whole Chris Everett situation where, man, Jim Everett came flying over the table and pummeled Jim Rome. Uh, Yeah, actually, that put Jim Rome on the map nationally. That was something when that happened. Anyways, we're not going to have any of that here on the John Riley Project. No way, Jose. Okay, friends, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. This is episode number 286 of the John Riley Project. We'll be back at you, I'm not sure, these next couple of weeks. Um, like I told you, I'm going to be out of town. Um, I might have some remotes, but for sure, we will be back Tuesday, September 20th at 7 p.m. with Poway District 1 candidate Hiram Soto will be sitting right here next to me, and we're going to have a conversation about his candidacy. Okay, friends, we'll see you later and have a great evening. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor, subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog or get more information, please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started. Thank you.